This is your storyteller. I'm back with episode number 23, all about the life of Sweet Isabel. This episode is called, You Still Can't Live With Me, she said. You still can't live with me, she said. After that spelling bee fiasco with my dear, things had gotten back to normal between us. But I still had lots of feelings about it. Feelings that I was not able to talk about with anyone but the Lord. There was a boy at my school. All the girls liked him. I guess he was kind of like what my father called himself, a ladies' man. But he was different in ways that the girls did not understand. Probably because they were young. And so was I. I didn't want him for a boyfriend or to do kissing or that other foolishness with him. My mother would kill me for sure if I got knocked up. But the girls liked him. We called him Junior. Never knew why we called him Junior because he was not named after his father. Anyway, Junior showed one side of himself to the girls at school. But at church, he was totally different. And away from school, he was different. On the weekends, I would see him sitting on his porch reading or just looking around as the people walked past his house as if he was doing some kind of survey of them. He didn't live that far from from my house. One day I was walking slowly past Junior's house. I was singing loud and skipping with flowers stuck all through my hair that I had picked along the way. Hey Junior, I said, what you looking at? He looked at me and he just laughed so hard. I mean, he was bent over holding his stomach laughing. He said, I'm looking at you, sweet Isabel. I've been watching you coming down the road singing loud with flowers from everybody's garden in your head. Why you got so many in your head and one head, sweet Isabel? You only have one head here, he said. He said to me, hold on a minute. I didn't know what he was going to do, but he ran in the house and came back with a big mirror. He said, look at yourself, sweet Isabel. Well, sure enough, he was right. My head looked like a flower garden, but I liked it. He saw that I liked it and he said, You don't have to take them out if you don't want to. I know how you are. I said, oh, you do, do you? What do you think you know about me? Plenty, he said. I know you misspelled bicycle because you were busy talking to God in that hayloft instead of studying. I know you carry a notebook and you're always writing stories in it all about us. I know that you like talking to old people, especially Miss Ida May. Yep, I said. 
I know that you are not real smart in school except in English and in plays and dances. Oh, really? Who said that? Who told you that lie? I know you visit the men on the chain gang and feed them. I know that you have religion. I was there when you got baptized. Well, you got that right, I said. I know that you talk too loud when you're teaching the Sunday school. I know that you sing too loud and off-key at church. Oh, really? Junior, who told you that? He said, I'm there, remember? I know that you always dance with your grandmother when nobody's looking. And I also know that you always with your grandmother wherever she goes. I see you dancing in your store. And I know that you love to do that shimmy that you do. I also know that you don't have a boyfriend. And you've never been kissed by a boy. Also, he got kind of serious. I know that it's not because you know that your grandmother would skin you alive. But your interest is bigger than boys. Wow, you know it. He began to laugh. He said, see, I know your butt, sweet Isabel. I had to laugh, too, because he really did know me. And we barely even spoke to each other before this time. I said, I got to get home now. He said, I know you do before your grandmother had the dogs out looking for you. After that day, we started passing notes to each other in class. Notes about things that we saw in the classroom, about the teachers even. We sat together outside at the games and at lunchtime. But we were just friends, real good friends. I didn't dress any different for him. I didn't stop singing loud and off key. We both just stayed the same. But we did what I love to do the most, talk. He loved talking just as much as I did. Talking and laughing and singing. Except he really could sing. His family all sang together at different churches. He began to sing to me. He sang to me all the time. Church songs and blues songs as well. We never held hands or kissed. Just sang and talk and talk and talk and talk. We talked our own brand of talking. We had the same interests. We talked about our dreams and about people in our town, the good ones as well as the bad ones. We talked a lot about the men on the chain gang and why they were there. Junior had gotten baptized and he worked in the church, but he really didn't know God in a personal way. In fact, he never even talked about God or talked to him or prayed to him. I asked him one day if I could teach him about God. He said, sure. If anybody can teach me, you can, sweet Isabel. Then he said, after you teach me, then you, sweet Isabel, can baptize me all over again. He laughed. He laughed really hard. I didn't laugh.
because I was serious. I said, I sure will. I'll take you to the river myself and baptize you. He got serious and he said, I know you would, sweet Isabel. I know you would. I said to him, once you get to really know God, Junior, even if I'm not here, you can talk to him about everything and anything. He'll be your friend. Junior was the only one that I ever let read my writings. He said, sweet Isabel, don't ever stop writing. Girl, you've got to keep writing. I promised him that I would never stop. Well, it was nearing the end of school year, and they were preparing for the commencement exercises. We all were, were kind of required. Actually, we were given no choice. We had to be at the graduation to support the graduates and to celebrate with them. That was the rule. At the graduation day, I kept looking for Junior so we could sit together. He was late. But when I finally did see him, I noticed that something was wrong with him. He was looking sad. So I squeezed my way past the people in their seats until I got to him. And I said, let's go, let's go outside. He began to talk to me about some trouble at his house between his mother and his father. We began walking and talking, walking and talking. We went through the woods to our favorite spot and sat down. He was so sad and upset. He explained that his mother had caught his father with another lady and the lady had a baby by his father. His mother was very angry and she was leaving with he and his sister to go up north. I held his hand as he talked. I told him to lay his head on my shoulder. We sat there just like that, just talking. I prayed, I sang, we talked some more, and then he made up a song. Well, neither one of us realized the time until it was too late. Way too late. I heard my sister's voice in the woods calling my name. Sweet Isabel, sweet Isabel, sweet Isabel, you out here? When she got to us, she was fireball mad and scared. She said, sweet Isabel, what in the world are you and Junior doing in the woods on graduation day? I said, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Oh, no. We got to get back to school. She just looked at me, shaking her head. Then she said the words that caused my heart to skip a beat. The graduation is over, Miss Sweet Isabel. And your dear is looking all over for you. She is mad, madder than I've ever seen. She went home to get some switches for you. She's gonna whip your butt, sweet Isabel, and you know it. 
all I could say was, no, 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 oh no. My cousins all came to the woods and they were scared for me as well. They all said, kind of half laughing, sweet, sweet Isabel, what you and Junior doing out here in the woods on graduation day? Y'all couldn't wait? They all started to laugh. That hooking cow is mad, mad, mad. What you gonna do, sweet Isabel? Junior said, we didn't do anything. I don't do that with sweet Isabel. We were just talking. Junior said foolishly, I will go home with her and I'll explain to her grandmother. <laughs> my sister and my cousins all said at the same time, Boy, you better run for your life. She already heard that you left school with her. She will kill you dead and your whole family. My sister said, You can't go back, sweet Isabel. You got to run. I said, Run where? She said, to your little mother's house. Well, this time, I was determined to face my mother and just tell her the truth. That we got to talking, me and Junior, and he was upset about his mother and his father. I would tell her the whole story and that we lost track of time. I kind of thought that hearing what happened with Junior's father and how bad his mother felt... I kind of thought that that would take her attention away from me missing the graduation. That's what I thought. Well, it didn't. Actually, I didn't even get a chance to explain anything to her. My sister had already moved out to go to live with her mother, her real mother. Did I tell you about that? Well... That was the biggest mess, but I'll tell you later. She was so scared for me. She begged me to run. Run, sweet Isabel, she said. Preacher is dead, and I'm not there to help you. You got to run. I went to the house, still determined to tell her the truth. Junior wanted to come with me, but I knew her take on bringing other people to talk to her for us. She always said, having them come won't help you none. So I knew I had to, I had to do that on my own, by myself, for myself. I got to the house and I looked through the window and I saw lying on the bed, three long, thin switches all tied together with other switches. I saw my mud dear with her work clothes on in the chicken yard, feeding the chickens. I could hear her singing real loud, louder than normal. She was finishing up her evening chores. She would not come back to the house until she was finished. That was her routine. The front door was still open. Quietly, I went into my room to get my money 
and the letter that had my little mother's address on it. I always saved money, so I had plenty. Then I quickly and quietly went under the house and wrote a letter to her and left it inside the front door where I knew she would see it when she locked up the house for the evening. In the letter, I said, I hate you. You are evil. You are the meanest, red-skinned woman that God ever put breath in. I wish you were dead. I could have explained why I missed the graduation exercise, but you were never going to understand. You just like to whip. I don't do things with boys. I'm not like other girls, I wrote. And you know it. You didn't raise me to be like other girls. I'm leaving you. And I never, ever want to see your mean red face again. Not ever, not ever. I hate you. And I wish you were dead instead of preacher and Auntie Becky. I left the note and ran as fast as I could through the backside of our farm to downtown where the Trailways bus station was. I went through the woods to make sure that no one saw me leaving. I got to the bus station. I was out of breath, but I got there just in time. They were leaving shortly. I had never ridden the bus before. The man asked me so many questions. Where are you going? How long are you going to be gone? Is this a one-way or a round trip? I just handed him the letter with the address on it and said, I'm not ever coming back. He said, he stamped it and he said, then that will be a one-way. I got my ticket. I bought a pack of Camel cigarettes and a Coca-Cola. Yes, cigarettes. I had never smoked before. I never had any intentions of smoking before. I never wanted to, never had a desire to. I saw other girls smoking. Even my sister was smoking. Well, she was actually drinking beer now since she left to live with her real mother. She was doing a lot of things that we were not raised to do. She was going to parties sitting in the car with boys, and going to the juke joint on weekends. She missed a lot of church services on Sunday because she was still sleeping. I guess after all that rebel rousing on Friday and Saturdays, she was just too tired to go to church. At the bus station, I saw my classmate Early. Early cleaned the bus station every day after school and on the weekends, to help his mother take care of his nine sisters and brothers. Early was always happy, even though he didn't have nice, clean clothes like other children. I kept watching Early singing and smiling and twirling that broom as he swept the dirty floor and emptied the trash cans. He would even dance with the broom like it was a girl. In fact, Early even kissed the broom. I felt so sad and alone watching Early so happy. I said, Early, I sure wish I was in your shoes. 
He said, oh no. Oh no, you don't, sweet Isabel. These shoes right here, these shoes have holes in them. He lifted up his feet and sure enough, both his shoes had holes all under the bottom. I kind of wanted to get mad with Early for not understanding what I meant, but I couldn't be mad. Because in spite of his shoes full of holes and his dirty, raggedy clothes, Early was still happy. He was still smiling. Early was going home to his nine sisters and brothers and his real mother. And here I was running. Running to a woman I didn't know. Running to a house that I had never seen. A city that I was unfamiliar with. Here I was with a heart that was sad and broken. So instead of being mad with Early for not understanding, I laughed inside of myself. And I repeated what Early had said. Oh no, sweet Isabel, you don't want to be in these shoes. These shoes have holes in them. So <laughs> I laughed. That was funny. I was glad that he was happy. Early saw me get the cigarettes and he said in a serious tone, Sweet Isabel, where are you headed to? I answered him, on a trip. He came over to me as I was stepping up on the bus and he kissed my hand and said, Sweet, sweet Isabel, don't do nothing that old Early wouldn't do. I said, what'd you say? He said, don't do nothing that old Early wouldn't do. I smiled at him as I handed my ticket to the bus driver and went all the way to the back of the bus. I put my face to the window because I still wanted to see Early. He was now sweeping outside the bus station and was still waving to me, dancing. I watched early as long as I could. I kept wishing I could jump off the bus and get that letter before my mother saw it, but it was too late. I sat on the back of the bus and opened my pack of camels and began puffing one cigarette after the other, leaving the only town that I'd ever known and the woman that raised me. This was a sad ride for me. I really don't know why I bought cigarettes. I guess I was trying to be grown, maybe. But I didn't feel grown. I felt small and lost and alone. I felt like a little child. I'd only seen my little mother from time to time. She would bring me packages and then leave. I'd never been to her house, but I memorized her address from the letters that she sent. She always sent letters. In fact, she sent me my notebooks. I also wrote her address down on the front and the back of my notebook 
916 6th Street South. That was in my head. And I kind of think it was in my heart as well. 916 6th Street South. It was a long ride before I finally got to the Trailways bus station in her city. Taxi cabs were everywhere. People were hugging and laughing with each other as they got off the bus. I wanted to run over and hug somebody too. But there was no one. I had never seen so many people all in one place in so many taxi cabs. We only had one in my town. The taxi cab driver were all colored and they were dressed real fancy with hats that said taxi on the front of them. The taxi driver came over to me smiling and said, Where are you headed, little lady? I said, 916 6th Street South. He opened the door for me and said, Hop in, little lady. Be there in a jiffy. Well, it was a little more than a jiffy, but I didn't mind. The ride was nice. I saw houses that were close to each other, hardly any space between them. I saw children playing in the streets, people driving cars, lots and lots of people and lots and lots of cars. He saw me looking from side to side as if I needed another set of eyes. First time here, he asked. Yes, sir, I said, but I'm moving here to live with my real mother. Before I could finish speaking, the car stopped in front of a small white house with a small yard. The yard had flowers in it. My little mother was on the porch waiting for me. Wow, she looked so pretty, sitting there in a print dress, like a very young girl, like a sweet young girl. I liked the way she looked. My sister's mother had called her and told her about the graduation fiasco and how my grandmother had acted. And she let her know that I was on my way to her house to save my life. The taxi driver helped me out of the car. He said, is this the house, little lady? Do you know that lady on the porch? I said, yes, sir, I'm fine, thank you so much. My little mother ran to me and hugged me tight. Tight as if she knew me and tight like she was glad to see me. She smells so fresh, fresh like honeysuckles after a rainstorm. We went into the house. Even her house smelled good, different from my mother's house. Our house was always clean, but it didn't have this smell. You hungry, she asked. I was too excited to eat, but I could tell that she wanted me to eat. We ate food that I was not used to eating, but had heard about those, these types of foods. I was only interested in one thing, whether or not I would be able to stay with her. I would eat later, I thought. But I still sat down at the table and ate with her. After we ate, she asked me to tell her what happened. I told her everything. I also said the most important thing. 
I want to live with you, I said. She said to me, Sweet Isabel, your grandmother sent me a telegram telling me what happened and about the letter that you left her. I butt in real quickly and I said, I'm a good girl. I have religion. I don't mess with boys. I go to church. I clean up and I won't be any trouble to you at all. I began to tell her what happened with Junior and his family. I told her that I could not swear because the Bible tells us not to swear, but I promised her that I was telling her the truth. She said, I believe you, sweet Isabel, but I need to know why you ran away without talking to your grandmother and explaining that to her. I began to laugh and cry at the same time. I said, you don't know her like I do. She likes to whip, and she whips really hard. She calls it trying to break me out of something. And I'm tired of getting whippings. And I could tell when I went home, I could tell that this one was going to be really, really bad, I said. She had three switches tied together with other switches. And there was no one there to save me. I wasn't sure if God was going to stop her. I haven't talked to him about it yet. When I realized the time, I knew that I should have been more responsible, regardless of Junior's problems. I, I didn't even know if God was thinking the same thing. Maybe God was thinking that I was not being responsible. So I just did what I thought was right to do, to stay there and listen to Junior. But when I got home and I saw the switches, I ran. Nobody made me run. I did it on my own. I knew that she would not understand. I told her that I did it on my own because I didn't want her to think that my sister had done it. I didn't want her to blame my sister. She listened closely to me. And quietly, then she said, what about the letter, sweet Isabel? What about the letter? That was not a nice letter for a girl that has religion. I was told that you have religion. What about the letter? I admitted that it was a real bad letter for a girl with religion. And I already knew that God was mad with me about the letter, the cigarettes, and everything. But I didn't have a hayloft there to run to. And the house was so small. But I would have to find a way to talk to him about all of this, and I knew it. I admitted that I was real mad and real scared. I said to my mother, but I was determined this time not to take another whipping. Never, ever. And then I said to her, if I have children, 
there's some things that I won't do. I won't give my children away, and I won't whip them the way she whipped me. I finally confessed to my mother that I did want my mother to feel as hurt as I did. But no, I don't hate her. And no, I don't wish she was dead. I just want her to stop being mean and good. Mean, then good. Mean, then good. I want her to just be one way. Anyway, I said, it doesn't matter now because I will be living with you from here on out. As we were talking, the phone rang. The operator put my grandmother on the line. I could hear her talking because she always talked loud, real loud. She asked my mother, my little mother, did she make it to your house safe, she asked. My little mother said to her, yes, she made it safe. We ate and now we're talking. My mother said, well, since she hates me and she wishes I was dead and I'm evil, then she's all yours now. That was all I wanted to hear. My toes began to tingle. She said, I have done all that I can do to raise her right ever since you brought her here to me. She's all yours now. That was all I wanted to hear. She's all yours now. Just please put her back in school quickly so she don't miss getting her learning. She needs to get her learning. You can pick up her clothes when you have a mind to. But do tell her for me that she don't have to be scared of me anymore. My little mother said, Miss Rose, I'll call you back later. I was still excited. I was so excited. She's all yours now. She was, she was letting me stay with my mother. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I felt like the letter worked. But I could tell that my little mother didn't seem excited in the same way that I did. In fact, she looked confused. She said, Sweet Isabel, you're going to have to go back to your grandmother. That's where you belong. That's where you've always belonged. That's where God put you. You're a big girl now, and I can't see after you properly. I have to work. I will talk to her about the whippings, but you have to make sure that you mind her rules and do what she wants. She's a good woman. She's, she's been good to you, sweet Isabel, but you have to mind her rules. My heart was skipping beats. I felt like I was going to faint. I don't know why I always felt like I was going to faint right then and there. I started praying to myself quietly, begging God to forgive me and not to let me faint and fall to the floor. I could hardly catch my breath. I said to her, 
I was breathing so hard. Wasn't that what you said when I was a baby? I have to work? Auntie Becca said that you tried to take me to work with you, but your white lady had a new baby, and she needed you to tend her baby. Auntie Becca said that you had titty for the white woman's baby, but no titty for your own. She said to me, she wished that she had titty for me. Is that true, little mother? Is it? You use your titties to feed a white baby when your own colored baby needed milk? And now I need you, but you still can't help me? You still can't nurse me? She looked away. I repeated it. And I said to her, Please, ma'am, look at me. Her tears rolled down her face until her whole face was drenched and her small body was shaking. I said, Look at me. She said, yes, every bit of it is true. Every word that you said is true. Sweet Isabel, I couldn't see my way clear to keep you. Even when I nursed the white lady's baby on my breast, I was thinking of you the whole time. But I had no choice. I had to work, sweet Isabel. I had no choice. No choice. Your father said that he would give you to his mother and she would raise you well. I met her and I could tell that she would do right by you. She had something in her, sweet Isabel, that I didn't have in me and I still don't. I don't have what she's got. You have a choice now, I said. You have a choice right now. Make a choice to nurse me. Make a choice. I'm 14 years old. Make a choice to nurse me. I can't, she said. I can't. I still have to work. And you're a big girl now. I asked her, then why didn't you just name me Isabel? Just Isabel. Why did you name me Sweet Isabel? I know the story. I know the story of how you screamed out my name in the storm at the same time that the door came crashing down from the store from the storm. You were in so much pain from pushing. Auntie Becky said, let her die, just let her die. But the raindrops fell on the inside of you and helped you to push me out. I know the story. I heard the story. And even though my grandmother changed my name, she still let me be called Sweet Isabel because I asked her to always call me by the, the name that you gave me. I've tried to live, sweet Isabel. Be sweet Isabel. Do sweet Isabel. I could have just done Isabel. There's no one in my school that I know that has a name sweet anything. 
she was crying hard. I said to her, are you even real, I asked. All of this could just be my imagination. Just like the lady in the bride patch was not real, just real to me. I don't feel real. Am I still daydreaming in the hayloft? I was not crying or hollering or even mad. I just felt like I wasn't even there and that this was maybe one of my stories that I had made up. I did know that I wasn't crazy, but I didn't know this feeling. I couldn't give it a name. She said softly, I'm real. I am real. And so are you, sweet Isabel. Everything that has taken place in your life has been real. The way you dream, the way you think, how you feel, that's all real, sweet Isabel. The lady in the broad patch had to be real for you. That's who you are. Listen to me, she said. You are part of me and part of your mother. And you will see that you are part of your father as well. I heard her say, being a part of me and a part of her and a part of my father. I knew, I didn't want to find anything funny in what she said. Because the way she said it was kind of funny. You part me, part my dear, part your grandfather, part your father. So I did ask her, how much of a part of you am I? What percentage of you am I? And I used the word percentage, even though I was absolutely plumb no good with fraction and percentage in school. I had just finished learning a little bit about percent. And I already knew that she didn't know anything about percent. I just knew it. So I asked her again, so what percent of you am I? How much of you do I have in me? She just simply said, enough, sweet Isabel. You have just the right amount of me in you. I said, do you know the percentage? She said, you have enough of me, just the right amount of me in you, sweet Isabel. We both laughed. She was so pretty. Even without laughing, she was so pretty and quiet. She had a quiet, calm way about her. Not as smart as my dear, but sweeter. I wanted to be really, really, really mad with her. But she was sweet. I was not real smart in school either, but I was sweet too. She said, Sweet Isabel, listen. I knew 
that after all it took for you to come here into this world, I was sure that you would have many storms to go through in your life. But I was sure that the sweetness that I had in me would be your inheritance to keep you going. My sweetness plus your mother's strength will keep you going, sweet Isabel. Please let it keep you going. Please. That's that percentage that I was talking about. That's why you have to go back and let your mother finish the work she started in you. I said to her, and then I can come and live with you? She said, no. No, sweet Isabel. Then you will go to live with your father up north. He has a real good job, and better opportunities are in the north. You deserve to have those opportunities. I need you to go back to your mother. And I also need you to apologize for the mean things you said in the letter. You said you hated her and you wished she was dead. You said that she was evil. You wrote a long letter, sweet Isabel. Maybe you're going to be a writer when you grow up. I said, no, a storyteller. I have lots of stories. I wanted to say to her, and I'm going to write about you too. But I didn't want to make her cry any harder. My mother called to speak to me. She didn't have her phone yet, but she called from the telephone company. She said, I thought you would have called me by now, but you didn't. If you don't want to come back and finish up your schooling, you don't have to. But I wish you would. I promised your father that I would see you through till you started high school. I would like to keep my promise. Next year, you start high school, and then you will see the last of me. I'm sorry, sweet Isabel, that you hate me and wish I was dead. I'm sorry you see me as evil. Just a few more months, and you will be free of me. I'm not going to whip you anymore. I'm done with whipping you. But I would like for you to finish your schooling and get better in your arithmetic before you leave for up north. Can I let the principal know that you will be back next week for school? She waited. And I waited. Can I, she said. I said, yes, ma'am, next week. Oh, and I'm going to honor your daddy's wishes to let you start visiting your real mother more so you can get to know her. I went back home to my mother, and it was different between us. I had said too much, and she had finally done too much. I watched her folding some of my clothes and packing them in a big suitcase, even though I still had another school term to go. She was sad and heartbroken. She said, 
Your daddy will probably buy you some more city clothes. But you can take these until he takes you to the store. Just go through them, she said, and take out what you don't want. I can always keep them here for the travelers. I didn't say anything. But in my heart, I was saying, I wanted them all. I wanted all of my clothes because they were who I was. The ruffled dresses, the bonnets, the big hair bows, the thick colorful stockings, and my notebook. They were who I was. All these things made me uniquely sweet Isabel. Until next time, I am the storyteller.